0: Hear these words from Galatians 5, starting in verse 1 and then skipping to verse 13. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, my siblings. Only do not use your freedom as an
1: opportunity
0: for selfish indulgence, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Mary Alice texted me a couple days ago and asked how I was feeling, and I, I confessed to her that I'm not doing well, right? And I know that, that I speak that in this space because I know that that is a, perhaps a collective response. And so we turn now for a pastoral prayer. And my favorite theologian, Cole Arthur Riley, writes that dignity cannot be stripped. Another person does not have the ability to take it. Glory, she says, cannot be unborn. Now on the other hand, I believe that like freedom, dignity can be threatened and demeaned. In our quest to preserve human dignity here at Highland Baptist Church, in our quest for freedom, let us pray. God of freedom, God of dignity, we pray because we are rattled with emotion and riddled with fear. Paul's letter to the Galatians tells us to stand firm and to resist the yoke of enslavement, and yet in the name of freedom, Christian extremists are hijacking our democracy. They threaten the balance of power in our government. They corrupt our understandings of your love and justice. So we turn to you in our pain. We pray. We cry out. We grieve. We ask, what is ours to do in the presence of such overt sin? God, we know the ripple effects of recent legislation will wash across the entire country in ways that bring isolation, trauma, and even death. We know those hit hardest by these destructive, untrusting, evil waves are those already at the margins, the poor, those vulnerable to climate disaster, those in rural areas, disabled people, Indigenous communities, essentially all who are not white, wealthy, educated, and esteemed. All of us are your children, God. Women and girls, non binary folks, and our trans siblings wonder about the future of their health care. What happened to bodily autonomy and consent? Those in the LGBTQ community know the consequences of the threats against their marriages and relationships. What happened to liberation? Black and brown citizens, migrants and refugees, those in interracial marriages, wonder whose lives really matter. What happened to love? This is not what you teach, God. This is not your idea of the beloved community. And so, God, hear our fear and our lament. Remind us that we are called to engage just as we are called to mourn. Remind us that it is in our togetherness, our solidarity, our honesty, and vulnerabilities that we will be most effective in our pursuit for holy goodness. Remind us that even in the most dire spaces, we are not alone. Remind us of our own and one another's dignity. Remind us that we are made and cared for with the divine inner light of your presence. God, we are a church of boldness and radical love and fierce acceptance, so give us courage. Bless us with hope in our lament. Empower us with clarity and strength of purpose. I pray that this church, that Highland Baptist, That we might persevere in dignity and freedom. Because in Christ we are set free. But let us not use this spiritual freedom as an excuse to avoid demanding legal freedoms in our country now and today. Rather, may this spiritual freedom fuel us. May it equip us to march and to protest and to write and to call and to vote. May it equip us for our next best step as a church and as your children. May it serve as the force of love that conquers despair, enacts justice, brings liberation, defeats death. For this time and place, you gift us with grace and truth-telling. May we rest in it and be it. In Jesus' liberating name, we say together, Amen.
0: come spirit come our hearts control our spirits long to be made whole let inward love guide every word and every deed by this we worship and we are freed amen I'm curious this morning, um, how many of you all have ever been to Camp Hi-Ho? Eliza's been. Anybody? You're going tomorrow? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. we <laughs> have got Wally and Finn. Who else? Anybody else been to Hi- Or maybe you went when you were younger? Oh, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. Well, Sally Evans started telling us about her girls' experience at Camp Hi-Ho in staff meeting a few weeks ago, and I was just blown away because this children's camp in Simpsonville started by Jennifer Lawrence's family and 1986 is all about giving children the freedom to make their own choices about whatever they would like to do each day. The website reads, it's true, campers are not told which activities to participate in or for how long at Camp Ho. If your camper loves fishing or swimming, why force them to do arts and crafts? We do encourage all campers to give everything a try because it's all fun, safe, and healthy. But we don't force them to participate in activities that they have no interest in. We offer a variety of activities, and children of all ages and backgrounds will find all sorts of exciting things to do at camp horseback riding, swimming in the lake, jumping off the blob, paddle boats, canoes, fishing, basketball, zip lines, archery, rope springs, arts and crafts, the pet barn, and more. Which means, Eliza Pirtleball, you are going to have so much fun tomorrow. (laughs) Camp Hi-Ho feels like this incredible gem for children in our community to experience freedom like they've never experienced before. And I especially love what they say at the beginning of every day when all the children arrive. And I'm wondering, this is an experiment, but I'm wondering if those of you who are here and have been before, what do they say when you get to camp? Can you call it out for us? Yes! Oh, my gosh, yes! (laughs) They say, campers, be free! Freedom is one of the central themes of our scripture, from the freedom story of how God leads people out of slavery and into a land of promise, to the prophet Isaiah proclaiming good news to the oppressed, liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, To a Savior who comes to set us free from sin and shame and anything that would hold us back from being the people that God would have us to be in this world. And so as the writer of today's letter to the Galatians begins, it was for freedom that you have been set free. I will admit to you this morning that one of the hardest parts of writing a sermon for preachers each and every week is that because of printing deadlines for the bulletin, we often have to come up with a sermon title before we actually have a sermon, sometimes before we've even started it. And on Thursday morning, when I gave today's sermon title to Cheryl, I thought I was being so clever I mean, you all know how much I love incorporating music into my sermons, and I was even imagining how I might lean into these words from the Broadway musical, Hamilton, encouraging us to raise a glass to freedom, something they can never take away. And I closed my laptop on Friday morning at 9.58, and that's where the sermon was landing. And yet, just moments later, as the day continued to unfold, I knew that this sermon, this title, would no longer suffice. I cannot begin to fully and faithfully address the Supreme Court's decision from Friday only 48 hours later, and its many impacts and implications for the different people who are part of our beloved community of faith. And I cannot begin to fully and faithfully address a topic as nuanced and complex as abortion and reproductive health in one single sermon. But what is on my heart this morning is each of you, because I've heard from so many of you over the weekend. I see your anxiety. I see your fear, your pain, your anger. And I know what I am personally experiencing and what feels to me like an especially raw and fragile space. And so this morning, I want to speak to just that. I've told you one of my least favorite parts of preaching, and now I want to tell you one of my favorite parts of preaching, and that is that God always has a word each and every week. It may not come always on our timeline, but like manna in the wilderness, it always comes. And so I pray that this might be a word of strength and hope for all of us today and in the days to come. Because as I continue to read Galatians 5, verse 1 this weekend, I found strength and solidarity in the words immediately following, which say to us Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit. Stand firm. Interestingly enough, these are the exact words that God gives the people of Israel as they are escaping slavery from Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. They are camping by the sea when suddenly they see dust coming down the mountain and they realize that Pharaoh and his army are advancing toward them. And so with 600 chariots of Egyptians coming at them from one side and the Red Sea blocking them in on the other, they can't run and they can't hide. And in great fear, they see Moses and they say, Is it because there were no graves back in Egypt that you have taken us to die in the wilderness instead? What have you done to us? It would have been better for us to be slaves in Egypt than to die here in the wilderness. But Moses turns toward the people and says, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And see the deliverance that the Lord will bring to you today. I've often named for us how in anxious or threatening situations, it's a natural instinct for us to want to give in to this fight or flight response. Scientists have found that in these moments, both humans and animals react to threats with a discharge of the sympathetic nervous system, which in turn provides them with the energy needed to either fight the threat or flee the scene to protect themselves from harm. But it's important for us to remember that the fight-or-flight response is intended for rare and specific circumstances, when we are in immediate, life-threatening danger And yet sometimes when we become perpetually anxious or fearful or afraid, our amygdala, which is this part of our brain that is constantly scanning the environment for potential danger, it goes into overdrive. Bruce McGowan, a neuroendocrinologist, says that when this happens, our stress limits our repertoire of responses. Fixated on what is endangering us, we forfeit our imaginative capacities. We act with small and sometimes unproductive behaviors. When the amygdala is in control, our perception warps measurably. Our mind is set in imaginative gridlock. We obsess about the threat and our chances of thinking our way through the issue to a satisfactory resolution are almost non-existent. Reactive forces rule. And so in the midst of their own very present, real rage, fear, anger, and anxiety, as their own amygdalas are going into overdrive and they so desperately want to fight or flight, the Lord says to the people of Israel, do not be afraid, stand firm firm and see what I will do. And so I wonder, in the midst of our own very present and real fear, anxiety, and other emotions today, what it might look like for you and for I not to give in to anxiety or despair, but to stand firm. Maybe it looks like taking big, deep breaths, just like John encouraged us to do at the beginning of worship today. Trusting that the Spirit of God is with us still, sustaining us and giving the strength that we need moment by moment. Maybe for us to stand firm means simply planting our feet wherever we are, empowering us to be present to this moment when our minds begin to spiral and wonder Maybe the need to stand firm is why you came to Highland today. Why Jim England's class gathered last night. Because you need to be surrounded by the family of God in this place who is standing with you. To be reminded that you are not standing alone. Maybe for you this instruction to stand firm just doesn't work all that well. I mean, there have been times in my own life when I haven't been able to stand. And maybe for you, standing firm just feels like too much right now. If that's the case, maybe more apt words would be to sit strong. I borrow these words from author Jeannie Miley, a friend of mine back in Texas. In her book, Sitting Strong, Wrestling with an Honorary God... Jeannie shares about her time at St. Benedict's Monastery in Snowmass, Colorado. It was a particularly difficult time in her own life, and even to participate in the early morning sit at the monastery, a time of sitting and quiet meditation that sometimes flooded her with grief that felt overwhelming, and she just didn't think she could do it. Except one morning, at the last minute, she decided to go to this meditative sit, hoping that opening her mind and heart to God in this moment would be healing. And so as she is on her way there, across the parking lot, she saw Brother Charlie hauling trash into the dumpster. And when she began to walk toward him, he said, Oh, don't come near me. I've been picking up trash all morning, and I'm a mess. But then his whole expression changed when he saw Jeannie as if he could sense her turmoil. How are you? He asked quietly. Her eyes filled with tears, and she said, Not so good, Charlie. I almost didn't come to the sit this morning. And he said immediately to her, Sit strong, Jeannie. Sit strong, She writes, I caught my breath because I could suddenly remember my father saying to me, anytime I was in a hard spot, sit steady in the boat, Jeannie. Sit steady in the boat. She writes, you never know when a trash heap is going to become holy ground. Charlie's words that morning echoed in my heart during the entire retreat. I knew that I could not be strong in these moments, but the intention to sit strong was precisely what I needed to do. Sitting strong was for me about letting myself be weak and tired and scared, it was about allowing myself to feel all the feelings I had not allowed myself to feel. Sitting strong was holding that intention of being with God, even in my own suffering. And so for the next 11 days, I took these flawed and fragmented parts of myself to the meditation hall for each sit. Each time, I expressed my intention to sit strong in the presence of God holding all of my hopes and all of my hurts before that divine presence. Friends, perhaps these are the words we need to hear this morning. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. Sit strong. Breathe. Be present to this moment. And see what God will do. Because it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. And the you here is plural, meaning that Christ has set us, all of us, free. I don't know anyone whose life has embodied this text better than Fannie Lou Hamer. Another Baptist woman who helped lead the way in the civil rights movement. Hamer was born in Montgomery County, Mississippi in 1917, the youngest of 20 children. Her parents were sharecroppers in the Mississippi Delta, and she began working in the fields when she was only six years old. She always loved to read, especially poetry, and she was excellent at spelling. But at the age of 12, Hamer dropped out of school in order to work full-time to help her family. Fanny went on to marry another sharecropper, Pat Hamer, and together they worked on a plantation for 18 years. The Hamers adopted two girls, girls whose own families were unable to care for them. Hamer's own pregnancies had all failed because she had been sterilized without her knowledge or consent in 1961. She was given a hysterectomy while in the hospital for what was supposed to be a minor surgery, a procedure so common it became known as the Mississippi appendectomy. This forced sterilization was one of the moments that set Hamer on the path to the forefront of the Mississippi Civil Rights Movement, according to PBS. The next summer of 1962, Fannie attended a church meeting that would change the course of her life. That night, she heard from other civil rights leaders who wanted to help black citizens fight for their right to vote. She said it seemed like the most remarkable thing that could ever happen in the state of Mississippi. And so Fannie responded to an altar call that night, along with 16 other people, and they soon loaded a bus to try to register to vote at a nearby courthouse. Fanny led the group in singing This Little Light of Mine and Go Tell It on the Mountain all along the way. They were turned away that day, facing brutal opposition from state and local law enforcement, and not permitted to vote. And Fanny's bravery that day came at a significant cost because she lost her job and was kicked out of the plantation that she had called home for 20 years. But firing Fanny backfired. She was later quoted in the New York Times as saying, when they kicked me off the plantation, they set me free. It's the best thing that could have ever happened to me, because now I can work for my people. Fanny would go on to be arrested, jailed, beaten, and held at gunpoint. She was severely injured in 1963 in jail where she and two other activists were taken in by police after attending a voter registration training workshop. She was beaten so badly that she suffered permanent kidney damage. But she never stopped fighting for freedom. In one of her very first speeches in Greenwood, Mississippi, she said, do you know why I love the song This Little Light of Mine? from the fifth chapter of Matthew. Jesus said, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, and I don't mind my light shining. I don't hide that I'm fighting for freedom because Christ died to set me free. You see, these very words from our scripture in Galatians were Fannie Lou Hamer's motivation. These words are what sustained her and strengthened her throughout her fight for freedom. And perhaps these are the words that will sustain and strengthen you and me too. I don't mind letting my light shine. I don't hide that I'm fighting for freedom because Christ died to set me free. At the end of her speeches, Hamer would often say to her audiences, I don't want to hear you say, honey, I'm behind you. Move, she would say to them. I don't want you back there because you could be 200 miles behind me. I want to hear you say, honey, I'm with you. And together we'll keep singing and we'll keep going up this freedom road together. And so, Highland, let's keep singing. Let's keep going down this freedom road together. Do not be afraid. Do not submit. Stand firm. Sit strong and see what God will do. Because it is for freedom that Christ has set us all of us free may it be so